Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast, a weekly discussion about the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. I'm Dan Mullins, a two-time pilgrim hoping to be back in Spain in the not-too-distant future, walking in the footsteps of millions of pilgrims before me. The Camino is famous for its energy, its opportunity to live simply, frugally, day after day. All you have to do is walk. Put one foot in front of the other and walk. My guests in the past have talked about renewal they found on the Camino, inspiration, dedication, space and time. I've established a Patreon page if you're interested in sponsoring the work I do, patreon.com forward slash danmullins or danmullinsmusic.com. I love a note sent to me by Louise Saul, one of my followers this week, attributed to the American mindfulness expert John Kabat-Zinn. He said, the little things, the little moments... They aren't little. My guest this week is the Northern Irish pilgrim Dermot Breen. He's written two books on pilgrimage and another one in the pipeline. Dermot's on the line from Belfast. Hola, pilgrim. Hello, Dan. Yes, uh, lovely to speak to you. Thanks for inviting me onto your podcast. I want to get to your story in a moment, and it's a great yarn. But first, do you notice the little things, the little moments, now that you've walked the Camino de Santiago? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I think, um, I think, and I, and I think that the the great thing about the Camino or any sort of pilgrimage uh, like that is it gives you time to um, notice those little things. You know, in normal life, I think we're all rushing by, just trying to uh, juggle so many things in life: work, family, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, I think the Camino just gives you an opportunity to. Um, get away from the pressures of life and just to uh, marvel at the world around you, if you want to put it that way, you know, and it's just, there's, uh, it's, 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 um, it's, it's really wonderful to have that time just to be able to appreciate uh, beautiful things that are around you. So, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'd say I take a lot of photographs when I'm, when I'm walking, um, slows me down a lot, but <laughs> I enjoy taking photographs. And very often I like to focus in on the on the small things, actually, you know, rather than the big panoramic pictures and landscapes, which I do take, but also like to look at those those little minute details that you sometimes find in nature that are really um, intriguing to me. You, you, your wife died from cancer in 2015, and you were devastated, and it turned yeah. your, turned your life upside down. How does one c- cope watching someone they love so dearly suffer so terribly? Well, it's, um, you know, the huge cliche, I wouldn't worth, wish it on my worst enemy. I mean, it really is just um, devastating is, is the word. And, uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I do cope with it better now. Um, but, again, it's, a, it's another phrase or a cliche that I've heard so often, but it is so true um, that you never really get over something like that. You just, you, you gradually learn to live with it. Um, but, I mean, you certainly, you never get over it. And your life is never the same. Um, uh, I, I, I realise that and I, I just have to accept that, that that is the way it is. Um, but, you know, after you've lived, I was married to Jackie for 28 years. We knew each other for 35 years and we really were, um, you know, sole partners. <laughs> Again, another cliche. You might hear a lot of cliches in this, this conversation, Dan, but uh, um, certainly we were soulmates and uh, we really just got on so well together. And 
to lose someone like that is really just, um, I mean, you really feel like, you know, as well as their life ending, um, I mean, I truly felt that my life had ended as well for, for a long time. Um, and it was, I suppose, only through, or well, a large part of it was due to taking up walking and going on pilgrimages that sort of helped me through those, those really dark periods um, and allowed me to get to where I am today. They say someone may pass, but the memories live on forever. Are you surrounded by close family and friends, Dermot? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, th- I've been blessed with a close family and friends, and again, they, they help immensely. Um, I think if you were to face something like this entirely alone, it would be, well, in my view, it would just be impossible. So, uh, I mean, you do, when you go through something like that, you depend so much on the support and the love of family and friends, and they carry you, carry you through. And again, just you know, bringing that to the Camino, um, it's it's amazing the the amount of uh, support and and camaraderie I suppose that I've experienced on my walks both here in Ireland and in Spain and again that has has helped immensely you know so um, as well as family and friends <laughs> strangers also have an important role to play um, the, you know when you first meet them are strangers obviously but uh, very often. I don't know if you've found this, um, but I know a lot of people that walk the Camino, they do make lifelong friends on it, and that's been my experience as well. Yeah, there's no question about that. And, and as part of that grieving process, and I don't want to dwell on it because really you have grown and, and, and not being disrespectful to Jackie's memory, but you're getting on with your life, and I think that's very important, and you knew it was important, yeah. and that's why you've now started to tell your story, and you've written the books, that's a way in a, in a sense of... of making some sense of what you've been through. But in the promotional material for one of your books, your pilgrimage is described as unlikely. Why unlikely? Yeah, well, actually, um, before Jackie had passed away, um, I I had never walked any distance at all. I mean, both me and Jackie, we we enjoyed uh, going out for the odd stroll, a short stroll, you know, along a beach up in the north coast or um, anywhere really. But it really was a short stroll, maybe a mile or two at the very most. And that was it. I was not interested in walking uh, as such. Um, so when, when, when Jackie did pass away, then um, after a few months, I was really looking to do something to um, mark her life, something uh, in her memory. And also wanted to raise money for a, a charity, a mm. cancer research charity. Um, and in, in, in deciding what to do, I wanted it to be a challenge. I wanted it to be something different, to push myself out of my comfort zone. And uh, that, that was where the, the idea for the first um, long walk came from. And uh, I decided to walk the Ulster Way. Now, there's a story behind that, and it links into that word, unlikely. Um, I'd read a book, well, both myself and Jackie had read a book and loved a book by uh, a lady called Rachel. Um, oh, good Lord, I forgot her second name slipped my mind now. But the book was called The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. It's a work of fiction, um, but it's about this chap who, uh, and he's retired from work, he's elderly, but he, um, 
he gets word that uh, an old work colleague is uh, dying from cancer. Now, bear in mind, we, we, we read this book and loved this book long before cancer were featured in our lives, um, mine and Jackie's lives. But uh, he decides, this character, Harl Fry, decides to deliver a letter to his old work colleague. Um, and he's about to post it in the letterbox. And then he decides, no, you know what, I'm going to actually walk and deliver, hand deliver it to her. And this walk was um, some 625 miles, huh? uh, which is about a thousand kilometres. <laughs> now, it's a work of fiction, but again, when it came to me trying to decide to do something in, in Jackie's honour, um, that book came back into my head, and I thought, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go on a walk of a thousand kilometres. And... Um, then when I started to research possible routes, I actually was astounded to find out that there was uh, the Ulster Way, it's called, that goes around, mostly around the perimeter of Northern Ireland, is exactly a thousand kilometres. So it just, everything just seemed to fall into place, Dan, you know, the way these things sometimes happen. And occasion, uh, and everything just fitted together so neatly. And uh, so very quickly I decided, right, that's, that's the route I'm going to walk. And uh, Jackie was a school teacher, a primary school teacher, and I actually started the walk from her primary school and walked around the Ulster Way and then finished back at her primary school. And uh, again, as well as friends and family, I had a lot of support from the, the staff of her primary school as well. In fact, they, they gave me an absolutely fantastic uh, welcome back to the school when, when I finished my walk. It's one of, one of those really memorable occasions when Staff and children were just uh, lining the playground to uh, welcome, welcome me back. Yeah, and so how long after that did you walk the Camino for the first time? And can I ask you as well, how, how or when or where did you learn about the Camino? Well, the, um, the Camino, I, I had uh, f- friends that had walked the Camino um, They've been walking for a number of years and they would traditionally have gone out for maybe a week or two weeks and just on sections of the Communion de Frances. Um, and Tom, Tom was a Tom and Patricia, and Tom um, had always spoke, you know, he'd always talked about this Camino that he'd been on and uh, how, how fantastic it was. And I must say, Bear in mind that I, I was never interested in walking before. It just went over my head. I just said, yeah, yeah Tom, that's very good. I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> um, but it, it meant nothing to me. And it wasn't until after then I'd, I'd walked the, uh, the Ulster Way here in Ireland that um, Tom again mentioned it to me. And he says, I'll tell you what, I have a, I have a book here I would recommend to you. And the give me a copy of a book by um, a Jesuit priest called Brandon McManus, um, and it's called Redemption Road. And Brandon had actually walked the, the Camino del Norte um, a number of years. Uh, let me see, I think it was around 2011, maybe he had walked it. And he'd written this book, Redemption Road, and it's all about his experiences. And he was actually doing it to honour his um, brother who had committed suicide, and he was also raising funds for a suicide awareness charity, etc. Um, but the book really, I must say, really struck home to me just the, the uh, um, how wonderful the Camino is. 
And I it was very quickly after reading this book, I just decided, right, Camino, I'm going to do the Camino, and I'm going to do the Camino del Norte because they described it so well, and it really appealed to me. And the notion of being to, uh, on a coastal walk as well would appeal greatly to me. And um, and I subsequently met Brandon McManus. He's actually a Jesuit priest now based in Belfast. And again, there's these sorts of funny coincidences happened that uh, a very good friend of Jackie's uh, who went through teacher training with her and have remained, have remained very good friends, uh, Sandra, uh, turned out that she actually went to school with um, Brandon McManus. So she was able to make the introductions between us and uh, I met with Brandon before I went in the Camino and so I was able to... Um, question him all about it and get lots of tips from him. He was very, very helpful to me, as well as sign a copy of his book for me as well. And uh, so that, that's how I got really tuned into the, the, the Camino itself and why I selected the Camino del Norte. It was really as a result of that um, Brandon McManus's book, um, which is an excellent book, by the way. And um, so that was, uh, I walked the Ulster Way in 2015, and then uh, the Camino del Norte, I, I went on in the following year. It was May, May and June of 2016. And uh, it was wonderful. Um, it really was a, a, a beautiful route along the north coast. And what I did was walk from Irun, um, which is just in the French-Spanish border, and uh, followed the north coast uh, and then cut in towards uh, Santiago. And then from Santiago, walked out to Musha on the west coast, down the west coast to Finisterre, and then back into Santiago. And the reason I did that loop at the end was to ensure that I did another 1,000 kilometres. Um, because after the, well, the Ulster Way had branded 1,000k per day, short for 1,000 kilometres for Jackie. And so the, the second... Pilgrimage, I also wanted to be a thousand K for Jay. And on all of these walks, you're raising money for uh, cancer research. Do you know how much money you've raised in total, Dermot? Well, since since I began the fundraising, it's 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 now sitting at um, about £41,500 sterling. That is what that is in Australian dollars. Um, but yeah, very very pleased with that. It's it's uh, people have been have responded fantastically over the years, and that's that's uh, that amount's been raised um, through the walk. Just you know, people making donations or sponsorship or whatever you like to call it in relation to me doing the walks, and then I've uh, I've produced calendars, photographic or calendars um, each year based on photographs I've taken on the walks and sold those, raised money, and have written the books, and they raise further money. So. Um, yeah, so those, those things have all contributed towards that, that, that total, and it just uh, keeps growing. <laughs> so um, I'm quite happy to... I'm working on a third book at the moment, which, if of time, I can tell you a little bit about it. Um, but again, it's, uh, the, that book will be um, uh, the um, sales revenue from that book will be for cancer research as well. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I, I suppose I, I come up with ideas and I do the walks and I write the books, but obviously it depends on people responding to that. And as I say, people have just been fantastic over the 
the last few years and, and uh, contributing that money. Tell us about the Camino Norte, because it's not as well known as the Camino Francis, but I understand no, it, it's, it, it's difficult though, isn't right? it, from what I understand? It's not easy. Well, yeah, no, I, I can only um, sort of go by what others others have said, um, because I haven't, I don't have any other Camino to compare it to. Sure. I've only Camino del Norte, but it is, it is regarded as a, a, a tougher walk than the Camino Frances. Um, mainly, I think, because it is coastal, there's a lot of, uh, you're crossing a lot of inlets, shall we say, uh, along the way. So there's a lot of ups and downs along the way. It's almost constant up and down. You know, we'd be going over a headland and dropping down and over another headland, etc. cetera. But um, it's also regarded as one of the, the, the most uh, beautiful routes Um uh, and again, that's mainly because it is coastal. Uh, so you know, you, you you have beautiful scenery along the way that's ever changing, and uh, beautiful beaches. I lost count of the number of beautiful beautiful beaches I would have crossed um, when I was going along that route. A number of uh, lovely cities as well, like um, Bilbao. Um, well, San Sebastian would be the first uh, city you come into with its two gorgeous beaches, and uh, likes of Bilbao and Santander. Etc. So uh, Gihon would be a, a, another lovely city as well. Um, so a nice mixture of city, rural, um, seaside towns. You know, it's it's just a, a wonderful mix along the way, and uh, most of it is gorgeous. There is a, there's a few short sections where you know there's a lot of road work and uh, it's uh, fairly tedious, but. Um, I think you'll, you'll find out with any long distance pilgrimage, it can't all be beautiful. But I think, generally speaking, it's reputed to be more more beautiful than some of the others. Um, I, I do hope to do further Caminos, so uh, if we ever speak again, I might, I might be able to give you a, no. a, a, a sort of real-life comparison, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, did you? I know you walked 1,000 kilometres on the Ulster Way the year before, but before each of those walks, the, the, the Ulster Way and the Camino Norte, did you do much training? Um, not, not as much as I should have, I think would be that. <laughs> I did do a little bit. Actually, I've, I've always been, uh, reasonably fit. I would, I would run a lot and I would exercise quite a bit, but I quickly did find out that walking actually is quite a different, uh, discipline and, and you're using different muscles and it does, uh, sort of wear and tear in the body in different ways. Um, particularly when you're doing long distance walks. So my first Training walk actually before the Ulster Way was an absolute unmitigated disaster, to be honest. Um, (laughs) I decided to go on. There's a a lovely river walk here in Belfast that takes you along the River Lagan between Belfast and another city called Lisburn. Um, And okay, you're moving between two cities, uh, but all in between is this lovely riverside walk through. Um, largely through rural countryside and uh, anyway I decided to leave walk from home and join this uh, towpath as it's called along this river and walk to Lisburn which was about 10-12 miles and my idea then was to get a taxi back or get a bus back or something but no no that wasn't good enough for me when I got to Lisburn I decided to uh, first of all we buy the lunch and I said right I'm going to walk back 
So a, a classic mistake, just doing trying to do far too much, far too early, um, as well as wearing the wrong sort of footwear, i.e. a pair of casual boots that were totally unsuited for walking. And um, so I ended up with, you know, blisters galore and uh, muscles absolutely wrecked and two black toenails. <laughs> <laughs> so it was all, I, I hobbled... Um, I was barely able to hobble about actually for about three or four days afterwards. The only way I could go up and down stairs was uh, backwards um, because <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't go forwards at all on the stairs. Um, so uh, yeah, it was it was a hard lesson, and I put it down to a mixture of stubbornness and just um, well inexperience and a small bit of determination, I suppose, just to try and, uh, you know, set myself up for this walk. So, yeah, so every mistake you could make, you know, every rookie mistake you could make, I, I, I made it. <laughs> After that, then, I did do some more measured training, and so when I set off on the Ulster Way, I was relatively well prepared for it. Um, but having said that, um, two weeks in, I had to uh, had to take four weeks off because I ended up with very bad shin splints, um, and that was as a consequence of uh, doing the walk. And I was also then training for a half marathon, which I'd never done before. Um, my daughter had kindly signed me up to do this half marathon that would occur actually when I was finished the walk, but I decided to do a little bit of training in between my walks. Um, for the marathon and it, it was just too much for my legs so I ended up with very bad shin splints had to take four weeks out and then get back to the story again what, so, um, what did you learn about yourself on the Camino do you think? Um, hmm, that, 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 that's a good one um, about myself I don't know I suppose it, it's um I was really, the Camino for me was really uh, a means of just trying to, uh, I suppose it was helping me cope with my, my loss, my grief. Um, I was obviously further down or, yeah, you know, more time had elapsed by the time I went in the Camino, but I was still struggling at that stage just mentally with uh, coping, coping with the loss. And so it really provided me just with... Um, Time out, you know, and as well as meeting and group camaraderie, which was very helpful, but it, it allows you a lot of uh, time to think things through, you know, work things out in your own head. Not always successfully, but, I mean, it does just allow you that time to muddle through things. And it might be a better way of describing it because nothing um, really happens fast in terms of dealing with grief. It's a very, very slow process. Um, you can't really put a time limit on it. Um, so I suppose what I learned about it really was just that it is necessary sometimes really to take, to give yourself that time, to allow yourself that time and not feel guilty about taking that time um, to your, you know, for yourself to, um, to help in the healing process. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, and it leads perfectly yeah. into my next question because you say in the first book, The Man with the Camino Tattoo, you hope to achieve some sort of peace, perhaps even find a place of sanctuary. Did you? Yeah. 
I did, yes, yes. Uh, incidentally, that was me. That's my second book. Oh, the second um, book, yeah, yeah. Um, the first one was about the Ulster Way. Um, so yeah, very much so. There was the um, the whole element of uh, sanctuary. That's what the, the subtitle to to that book was: "Man of the Community," and then the subtitle was, you know, "Searching for Sanctuary on the on the Community Diago." And um, well, that's ultimately what I was after: was trying to find some uh, sanctuary, but not 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 a, not necessarily a place. It, it was a, a place in my own mind, my own heart, was where I really needed the sanctuary. Um, but it so happened that sort of it, it maybe finding that or the finding the kernel of that really um, coincided with my return to, to, um, to Santiago and to the cathedral in Santiago and um, it uh, my, my first um, as I said walk from Maroon to Santiago and then went out to the west coast and done a look back the, my first visit to Santiago was was quite nice but it didn't really do it for me if you know what I mean it didn't really um uh, there weren't fireworks in any description. It was a bit sort of downbeat. Um, now that was perhaps because I knew that I wasn't finished. I wasn't to finish my journey. I had to go go in this other loop. I'd ride and would be returned to Santiago. Um, but it, it it was it was it was nice. But um, it wasn't until I actually did do the loop, went out to Murcia and down to Finisterre, and then back into Santiago. It was my return to Santiago where. A sort of experienced, uh, I don't know if you'd call it an epiphany, but it, it was, there was certainly something significant happened there in terms of me coming to terms with, um, or taking another step along the way of coming to terms with, with, with my loss and becoming more accepting of where I was. Um, both my books have been very... There's a lot of factual stuff in it about the journey and the, and the just the whole physical side of it, but I've also um, included a lot of what you might call spiritual stuff in them. Not not religious, but just um, I have conversations with my wife uh, in the first in the first book, The Ulster Way. There's a, I wrote a letter to her in it, and then we have we really strike up these conversations at various points along the way. And I tell her about my day, et cetera, et cetera. And she helps me through these conversations, sort of as he is helping me try try to make sense of it all. And that continued with the, the second book uh, in the uh, about the Camino. And um, there's actually a character in the book, uh, you know, which I'm prepared to reveal now. <laughs> I was very cagey about it when, when the book was first published, but... There is a character in the book that um, there's a revelation towards the end about this particular character, and it's uh, it's sort of there's 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 very much uh, an element of uh, spirituality around that, and this individual who's still trying to help me make sense of it all, if if you can't make sense of it all, but trying to help me understand, trying to help me become more accepting of of of, of where I am, and you know. At the end of the day, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't turn back time. You can't turn back the clock. Uh, you've, you've got to accept it and move on. 
You say the land you passed through gradually revealed many of the Camino's wondrous myths and legends associated with St. James, and you began to believe miraculous events are perhaps not only confined to the past. Just talk us through that. Explain that. Yeah, well, um, again, another key element of of my Camino book was to um, introduce a little bit about the the backstory, if you like, about the about St James Way, and uh, so between each of the chapters about you know involving my journey, I included a little section about um, the legend of St James. I actually discovered that there was this uh, 13th century manuscript that sort of uh, it's called the life. In English, it's called The Life of the Saints. It was written in Latin, but thankfully somebody had, at some stage, produced an English translation. It meant I could read it and understand it. But it, it was still very old language speak, in a way. But I, I took this sort of very bare, basic story of St. James and you know how he preached the Gospels and, and then was executed and his body taken to Galicia and Eventually, you know, they, his remains ending up in, in Santiago and the cathedral growing up around that. So I sort of took that story and really fleshed it out and uh, interspersed each of my chapters with uh, a bit of the backstory uh, around the legend of St. James, which is incredibly interesting and involves all sorts of miracles as well and involved, even involves a fire-breathing dragon at one stage. Um, so I didn't hold back on the, on the miraculous. But yeah, then the that too um, was again where I started to believe that there's uh, you know I'm, I'm not I'm not religious I would describe myself as perhaps being spiritual and I do um, at least hope that there's some force greater than all of us at work and helps us along and and uh, um you know, it's it's and, and and provides us with signs, and that signs have always been quite important to me. Well, since the last Jackie, I mean, signs have been very important to me. And uh, um, one, uh, for example, an, an early thing which you might describe as being miraculous. Now, some people will say, and I mean, even in, in cold light of day, I say, well, look at it; it's just a coincidence these things happen. But, for example, um, two days into my walk, two, maybe three days into my walk, I was approaching a little town called Zamiya. And, it's, it's, again, it's a beach, uh, a beach, uh, seaside uh, place. And I just came round the headland, and there before me was uh, this, this long, long sandy beach backing up towards the, the town itself. And just as I came round, just as that beach revealed itself, there was a tractor raking the sand, you know, probably gathering litter off the off the sand to keep the beach clean. But whatever way it had been working, whatever way it had disturbed the sand, it had it had inscribed this huge J in the sand. Hmm. Just at the very moment I I came round the corner and this was revealed to me. And so, you know, then that gets me thinking. And in fact, just before that happened, I'd, I'd been thinking about all the various signs that there were on the communion, all the different the arrows and the and the uh, the the shell. You know, the um, good Lord help me out, Dan. What <laughs> the, the scallop shell? Yeah. You know, all the various symbols and signs that are used on the communion. 
And then there's this huge J for, as I took J for Jackie, being inscribed in the sand um, just before my very eyes. Uh, you know, you sort of think, well, what forces are at work there? Um, and so you can easily just dismiss that. Well, you know. Well, no, no, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> but, but, it was cold, but yeah. Yeah. And, and you... uh, Go on. Sorry, go on, Dan. No, no, well, I was going to say, you say, even when life can seem utterly hopeless, the human spirit is mm-hmm. a powerful force that can rescue even the most yeah. vulnerable of souls. You see, yeah. and yeah. that's because you are open to those signs. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. And, and I, th- I think those sorts of signs, I mean, have, have helped me. There's no doubt about that. And it sort of, uh, it almost it just it keeps the connection alive in some way um, between myself and, 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 and Jackie, you know, and, and uh, so there were other examples like that where you sort of just stops, literally just stops you in your tracks and you just think, good Lord, that is, you know, that's unbelievable. I can't <laughs> believe that I'm seeing this. And uh, so that, 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 that um, certainly was, was, was one of the prime examples and um, and then in terms of uh, I mean jumping to the other end of the of the of the tail, we're right back in Santiago and I'm in the cathedral and uh, was very fortunate to witness the the Botafumero, um swinging with the incense in the church, which is, is a, an amazing uh, an amazing sight. And then realizing that um, behind or in front of the altar. The area there is um, is actually called. I mean, it's maybe in Latin, it's the sanctum, but it's it actually is a sanctuary in in the church, and uh, that sort of was it was a revelation that sort of came about towards the end of the story. And again, it was just you know, Valera was searching for the sanctuary on the Camino, and there in the cathedral, um, suddenly dawning on me that. Um, I was actually looking directly at a, a place called the sanctuary. Um, and again, that just helped. That sort of reflected, in, in, in a sense, the, uh, the sanctuary which I, I felt was being revealed within uh, in terms of me coming to a, a state or a better state of acceptance of, uh, of the cards that life had dealt and yet, in your first book, The Edge, when you walk the Ulster Way in Ireland, you say in the book that you suffered injury, exhaustion, anguish and grief. But did you feel that once you'd beaten those obstacles, that you were getting stronger, almost like a metaphor for your spiritual and personal journey as well? Uh, that, that, that all the pain that you go through, you're getting better, stronger. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's 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 almost. Um, I mean, it's almost like a, a cleansing effect in a way that you, you know you, it's you have to go through that pain and that suffering. It's it's necessary to expel it from yourself somehow. Um, I mean, now sitting here looking back at that that period and and, and recalling just how. Um, devastated I was and I mean literally I would have been on my hands and knees you know in the house here you know just oh dear you know sobbing uncontrollably it was just it was just you 
felt like your whole world had just crumbled down around you and uh, you just didn't know where to turn, what to do. So, you know, the, 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 it, was, it really was overwhelming grief. And yet I have come such a distance. It's just unbelievable the distance I, I have come. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the loss and the grief is, is still there, um, but it is nowhere near as um, acute as it was, uh, thankfully, because to go, no, nobody could continue with that sort of level of grief. And I, I'm not unique, and I know I'm not unique in that regard at all. I mean, this is the way it affects, you know, everybody that loses someone who's, you know, that they love so dearly. I mean, you, you know, you just, you do not get over it in a hurry. Um, some people maybe deal with it better early on, I don't know, but I certainly felt that there was a, almost a cathartic process that you were, had to go through. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't say, I mean, that wasn't, I, I, I wasn't thinking that at the stage. It's only looking back and reflecting on, on what I've been through that you realise that, yeah, somehow you needed to just get that, I needed to get that grief out of my body somehow. And, um, you know, so a lot of tears and a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, pain has to be going through to sort of um, get get to that stage, and and slowly but surely it eases, and uh, you 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 learn to live with it, and you learn to cope with it better. And um, not to say that you know it doesn't catch you unaware at times because it does. Uh, Sometimes I'm I'm sailing along and sort of thinking, yeah, it's it's I'm feeling fine, absolutely great, and then the next day you're you're sort of really depressed again. <laughs> but now I know that uh, there is this roller coaster effect, and I know that okay, if, if I'm depressed, I know I'm going to come out of it. It's not going to last forever. Um, so you know that that helps keep you on the straight and narrow as well. You know to know that there's there's always a an uphill. Or a better, better time ahead, if you like. Yeah, that's right. You have posted on Facebook some beautiful images of some of the walks you've been on recently, and some of the photographs mm-hmm. are of the Camino as well. And then you post little poems alongside them. Um, and I just, uh, just, yeah. just, I just want to read one. Uh, it says, uh-huh. "Sunsets, bird flies, dusk falls, hopes rise." Were you always a poet? Yeah. No, <laughs> no. Um, uh, perhaps a very bad poet. Uh, I like to think <laughs> of maybe. A... <laughs> but no, um, I, I no, I certainly wasn't. And and it's it's funny, you know. And I don't like the phrase that some people use, where they say, you know, there's 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 always a reason for these things happening. You know, and out of out of out of terrible tragedy comes some some good, almost like. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't fully subscribe to that. But there, there's little doubt, Dan, that um, as a result of what I've been through, I think it maybe has awakened a, a creativity within me that I, I, I didn't know I had. You know, and that's reflected in my writing. And it's, it's. I mean, good lord, I never, never, ever, ever dreamt that I would, I would write a book. Never mind have two books published and working on a third. And then the, um, the 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 poetry the poetry actually started before the book the first book I wrote, and I found it as a as a 
incredible way. In fact, the first poem I wrote was was not long after Jack had passed away, and it was about her passing, and it's a very, very dark, very dark poem. And um, but it, again, it was just, it was a means of me um, sort of just expressing where I was and how I felt. And it, it provided a, an incredibly useful vehicle, I suppose. Again, looking back, I didn't realize it at the time, but it just it allowed me to express those things and get, get them out of me rather than just bottling them up. And um, for better or worse, I decided to, sh- decided to share these, whether it be on social media or subsequently through books or whatever. And um, I think that... Again, that's all been part. It's contributed to the healing process. I really believe. I don't. I don't know where it would be if I hadn't done that. Um, maybe in what to say it place, but I don't think so. I think it has really, uh, it has really contributed significantly to 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 the healing process. To be able to express those feelings, um, because uh, I mean, it's and I've made this point before um, that men in particular aren't aren't very good at expressing their feelings and um it's not it's not a good thing really and i think it helps to be able to uh let these things out rather than bottling them up and just because it just it doesn't go anywhere it's just stored within and just magnifies over time and eventually it's it's going to explode in the wrong way you know with real health issues mental health issues or whatever so I think it, it's uh, certainly I speaking from a personal experience. I mean, I found it uh, be quite a cathartic process just to put these things down in words. And um, my poems have varied. I mean, some of them are quite lengthy and perhaps boring, tedious. But uh, I quite like these wee things that a lot of my poems are actually um, triggered by the photographs I take. And that particular one you just you read there was actually a photograph. It was a real fluke where I just got a photograph of a, a bird rising in front of the setting sun. And um, it just conjured up this image, you know, that there was a you know, bird flying high in front of the sun. And it's just this notion hopes also rising along with that, you know, that you always, you know, there's, there's always better things ahead. You know, you've just got to keep your head up and, and uh, learn to fly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think Jackie would be proud of you? I, I, th- I think she, she, after she would um, pick herself off the floor from laughing at, <laughs> at the, <laughs> what I've done, both in terms of walking and writing and poetry, I forgot. I mean, she, she, was the, uh, she was the English student and the teacher, you know, so she was the one that um, was uh, skilled with, with words Um so yeah, I think she would find it very amusing, you know, that uh, where where I've ended up. And yeah, I would like to think that um, she would be proud of how how things have have, have gone, you know, and uh, proud of me and proud of uh, our two children as well, who have who have been uh, you know very supportive over the last few years as well. And you know, they've obviously had, had their difficulties of you know losing their their dear mother. Um, so yeah, we've all, all helped each other through, and I think she'd, she'd 
yeah, I mean, she was looking down, I think she'd be proud and how we've all managed to get on with our, our lives. And and that's what she would have wanted. And, and, and again, I think knowing that is what helps you along. You know, um, in a way, well, we were fortunate um, in that, I mean, her death came, it wasn't a surprise. We knew for many months before, you know, that this is where it was going. So we, we, we had time to talk about things and, uh, you know, she made it clear that she would want us to, uh, you know, just uh, wallow, um, that she wanted us to get on with her lives and make the most of them, you know, and just uh, keep her keep her in, in our memories, you know. So <laughs> we're really just doing what, what she wanted us to do. And what what does your future hold now? Well, um, again, I, I had a big. Um, I mean, Jackie's death was God knows uh, the biggest life changing event I've, I've, I've ever experienced and ever hoped to experience, um, apart from maybe my own death. <laughs> but um, uh, about a year after that, I, I decided to take to retire from work take early retirement. It was um, 56, 57 when I retired from work. Um, uh, basically, I just I had no interest, no further interest for me. I just um, I just couldn't go back to work. And I wanted to focus on other things, and that was the likes of walking and, and then subsequently riding, etc. So, and that's that's where I, I am now, and I'm, I'm content with continuing to do that. So I'm, I'm working on my third book at the moment, which is about a walk I did last summer, which was the length of Ireland from south up to north, and um, uh, so that's certainly keeping me keeping me very busy. I tend not to think too far ahead, to be honest with you, Dan. Um, and, and again, that's a consequence, I think, of just what I've, what I've been through. You know, I find it very, it's maybe getting a little bit easier, but certainly for a long time, I find it very hard to plan too far in the distance. I just, um, I don't know whether it's a fear or or what, but well, certainly there was an element of fear in the past. But, uh, you know, I just sort of thought, I just don't know where I'm going to be in the future. I don't even know if I'm going to get to the future, you know, and... Uh, you know, after your life has been turned upside down in the way it has for yourself, you know, you, I suppose you sort of lose faith in the future to a certain extent, or so you don't put your trust in it. Um, whereas beforehand, you're you're a lot more cavalier, and yeah, yeah, you have years and years ahead of you. Um, so yeah, I've. Um, I mean, this year I, I do have a trip down. Down, uh, I'm walking with a, a number of colleagues. We're going to do uh, the seven highest peaks in Ireland in five days that's coming up in May so that's a fairly short lived thing I've no no real big plans beyond that i say I would quite like to maybe return to the Camino and do another Camino maybe the uh, Portuguese Camino um, at some stage in the future but uh, I'm just not really sure when I suppose at the minute I'm really concentrating on on, on, on the third book um, and it's uh, it's taken up. It's practically taken all my uh, energy at the moment. That's where my focus is really, just to, to work on, the, on on this book. For your great grandchildren listening to this years from now, is there any <laughs> is there any wisdom that you'd want to pass on to them? What would you want them to know? Well, I'd, I'd, 
One thing to know, I suppose, just um, you know, just don't take life for granted. Just treat every day as um, you know precious, and really just make the most of it. And perhaps, um, I mean, I've always been a great believer of uh, you know having a good work-life balance, and even more so now that uh, you know I think too many people maybe get too wrapped up in their careers, and it just becomes their be-all and end-all. And yes, it's important and it means an end. And if you enjoy what you're doing, great. But, you know, don't forget the other elements of your life. Um, give yourself space to appreciate life. Um, don't wait till you retire and think that then, uh, well, then I'm going to have all the, all the time in the world, you know, to sort of enjoy it. Um, one, you're, well, if you manage to, to make it to that stage, uh, you know, you're, you're obviously older and uh, maybe um, not as able to get around, etc., etc. All those sort of issues, you know. But no, it's it's just really to yeah, just just appreciate life to its full and make them make the most of it while 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 you can, and um, and just take opportunities when when they're presented to you, you know, to um, to explore and travel, travel, travel. Uh, I think that's probably one of the um, Best things that any 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 individual can do is really just to get out there. It's a great big world, and there's so much to experience. And it's just a shame, you know, that if, if anybody sort of goes through their lives and sort of never moves out of their hometown or their home country or wherever, you know, you've just got to experience all these wonderful uh, experiences that there are open to you. Um, if you can, I realise that that it's it's not the easiest for everyone to do that, but um, if you can, certainly just take those opportunities when 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 they're presented. Well, I love that you've found this new inspiring life. I know Jackie would be immensely proud of what you're doing, Dermot. I hope our mm-hmm. paths cross one day, and I'll buy the beers. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold you to that. Certainly, <laughs> I do like it. A... <laughs> Actually, I had. Um, just uh, uh, the Ireland way that I walked actually um, was actually on the, the, the first night when I stopped uh, after the first long day's walk, which was over the Cork Mountains, and we were experiencing a, a, an unbelievable heat wave at that stage as well. So I was absolutely melted by the time I got to my destination. And I thought, right, I, I must. Uh, and luckily, the, the place was in, they didn't, there wasn't a bar there, but there was a drinks, a, um, a chiller in the corner of, a, of the. Of the canteen and it was an honesty box and you you could select whatever you wanted it was alcohol and non-alcohol so I just said ah well so I'm on there and wait Guinness was obviously the thing to have and I, I had a so I had a, a pint of Guinness and I then got a um, actually an Australian guy who was staying at the at the hostel him and his girlfriend I got him to take a photograph of me having my Guinness with uh, the banner I was carrying which was supporting the uh, the walk and what it was for in terms of the charity, etc. So I got that. And that, that was sort of a spur-of-the-moment thing, but it then became the traditional way to finish every day's walk, was to have a pint of Guinness and have this photograph with a banner. So I have 43 pints that <laughs> carried me the length of Ireland um, as my sort of a reward. That, that was a carrot, if you like, and then the end of the stick <laughs> of, of each day's journey. And um, actually, I'll, I'll have to, I'll add this, and you're maybe running out of time. But the 
The reason I decided to do the Ireland Way was because it actually finishes in a town on the north coast of Ireland called Ballycastle. Um, that's where the Ireland Way, that's the final destination. And um, that's where Jackie was born. That's where oh. she was raised. It was her hometown. And that's where her remains lie uh, at present. So it was just, that was another walk that just sort of called out to be done. You know, once I found out it, it finished in Valley Council, there was just no question in my mind I was going to do that walk. And it was another thousand kilometres. How fantastic. I've really thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, Dermot, and thank you for your honesty and allowing us to share your journey, even if just for a short time. Walk on, Pilgrim, Buen Camino. (laughs) Okay, Buen Camino to you, Dan. And, uh, yeah, I'll hold you to that uh, promise and the drinks. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't know about 43 pints, but we'll do our best. (laughs) Oh, well, (laughs) not in one night, no. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, Dermot. All the best. Bye-bye. Thank you. All the very best, Steve. My guest this week, the Northern Irish author and pilgrim Dermot Breen. You can find his books, The Man with the Camino Tattoo and The Edge on Amazon. Dermot Breen, B-R-E-E-N. I love a note sent to me this week by Louise Saul, one of my followers, attributed to the American mindfulness expert John Kabat-Zinn. He said, the little things, the little moments, they aren't little. The Camino not only offers space and time, it offers consolation, giving people like Dermot a chance for renewal and an opportunity to honour the love of his life. A great story. I'm Dan Mullins. Now, don't forget, if you're interested in sponsoring me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash danmullins or danmullinsmusic.com. You might consider buying me a cafe con leche a week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way Somewhere along the way